0: So, a couple weeks ago, um, Mike Johnson preached on idolatry, and uh, when I agreed to, to, to preach today, man, I was working a sermon on idolatry, y'all should have seen it, it was good, uh, but I had to change it up a little bit because Mike did a phenomenal job. Um, so, today we're going to be talking about uh, joy in the midst of trials. Um, before I do that, let's, let's, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer, uh, if you'll bow your head with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, Lord. Uh, I thank you for this body of believers uh, here today and for their commitment to come here and to seek you. Lord, I pray that, uh, that we would all remain diligent and intentional in that seeking. I pray that you'd come and meet us in this place now, Lord. I pray that you fill us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, let our lives be an example of the love for others that Christ demonstrated. And I pray that... Uh, Pray that we'd be attentive to the work that you that you have for us Lord and uh, that we 'd be obedient in that work uh, and that you 'd receive the glory from that work uh, I pray for hearts to be softened today lord I pray for for minds to be opened uh, and and clear uh, that we might receive your word and I pray that uh, be with me as I bring uh, the message that you want heard this morning and remove any of myself Lord uh, let it let it be only you that speaks Lord I pray for uh, for every church in our community today Lord I pray that uh, that they set their, their their eyes on you, Lord, and that they would remain obedient. I pray that, uh, that you keep them safe. Lord, I uh, thank you for the things that you bless us with, Lord. I pray that we wouldn't take those for granted. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, joy in the midst of trials. You know, one, one thing I love about uh, the Christian faith is uh, that it's full of, of paradox. Paradox. Um, Paradox, the definition of a paradox is a seemingly absurd or self-contradictory statement or proposition that when investigated or explained may prove to be well-founded or true. Uh, essentially, it's just two or three ideas uh, that should not coexist, but they do coexist, and they coexist in truth. Uh, a a really, cool of this, really cool example of this is in Matthew 5, the Beatitudes. Um, you know, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Uh, For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Uh, My personal favorite is blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And uh, later on in that chapter, Jesus goes on to to talk to his disciples. And he says, you know, that you're blessed when they insult you. You're blessed when they persecute you. and when they falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Uh, he says, be glad and rejoice, because your reward is great in heaven. He's telling them, you know, when you're persecuted, rejoice. I mean, that, that's a paradox if I've ever heard one. Uh, you know, these kind of statements, um, they're numerous throughout God's word. Uh, and they go against the finite type of thinking, you know, the type of thinking that we that we have. It's not a logical Uh, it's not logical by our worldly standards, right? Uh, And struggling with these concepts uh, is a classic case of of flesh versus spirit, like Brother Paul read this morning in Romans. Uh, God even warns us of this in, in the Old Testament in Isaiah, chapter 55, verses 8 and 9. He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration, for as heaven is higher than earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Even the the very act of faith uh, is paradoxical, um, where we believe and we trust in something that we can't see, uh, that we can't necessarily physically grasp. Um, There's a quote by a man named Henry Clay Trumbull that uh, puts it into perspective really well, and he says, The law of Christian life is a paradox. It's made up of seeming contradictions, all its teachings are contrary to the common opinions of man. According to this law, giving is getting, scattering is gaining, holding is losing, having nothing is possessing all things. Dying is living. It is he who is weak who is strong. Happiness is found when it is no longer sought. The clearest sight is of the invisible. And things which are not, things which are not bring to naught things which are. Now that last, that, that last part I'm still trying to figure out. I don't think people talk like that anymore. I wish they did, but uh, I still don't fully understand what that means. So if anybody knows, let me know after the sermon, okay? Uh, so anyway, uh, why don't we go ahead and we're going to do our, our morning reading. We're going to be reading out of uh, James chapter 1 this morning. Uh, if you have a copy of God's Word, open it up James chapter 1. We're going to read verses 2 through 4, and then we're going to skip to 12 through 15. And if everyone would stand, uh, and uh, we'll read God's Word together. In James chapter 1, verses 2 and 4, it says, Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. And then in verse 12 through 15, is says, Blessed is the one who endures trials. Because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. No one undergoing trial should say, I am tempted by God, since God is not tempted by evil, and he himself doesn't tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire. Then, after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. Maybe may be seated. So today we're going to look at the paradox of suffering in the Christian faith. Um, Like I already said, throughout the Bible we're shown shown that there's numerous uh, cases where we're meant to suffer for Christ. Um, uh, Not only that, but we're shown that there's joy and that there's peace in the middle of that suffering, uh, in the middle of trials, in the middle of even persecution. Uh, So we're going to clarify a couple types of suffering, and then we're going to look at what suffering produces, and we're going to figure out... How do we find that joy? How do we receive that peace when we find ourselves in the middle of trials, uh, in the middle of heartache or grief or, or whatever it may be? Um, there's a distinction between the two kinds of suffering that I want to go over uh, today. And, and God's Word tells us that when we follow Christ, that we'll suffer. Uh, this is the first type of suffering, suffering for the sake of righteousness while we are in Christ and Christ is in us. The second type that we're going to go over uh, it occurs when we stray from the Lord. Uh, it's a type of suffering that uh, results in our will being unaligned with the will of God. Okay? Uh, it's almost like a disciplinary uh, type of suffering. It's consequences, if you will. Uh, so, first type, suffering for the sake of righteousness through Christ. In, uh, in John chapter 15, verse 18, it says, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. Later on, Jesus goes on to say, you know, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you. It doesn't say that you may encounter persecution. You know, He doesn't say if they persecuted me, you might get persecuted. He says that you will. Uh, you will encounter trials. You will encounter persecution if, if, if you follow Christ. Uh, it's something that we need to be prepared for and come to expect. Uh, and, and when we're mature in our faith, it's something that, uh, that we can even rejoice in. Okay? Uh, I love uh, in Acts, chapter 5, well, there's a couple stories in Acts. Chap- chapter 5, uh, you know, uh, who is it, Peter? It's, it's some of the apostles. They're brought before the Sanhedrin uh, for preaching the name of Jesus and doing miracles. And uh, the Sanhedrin, they, they're uh, intimidated by this. You know, they, they don't want to be con- uh, accused of being the killers of, of Christ, right, of Jesus, um, and they don't want to lose their position. Uh, that they have their religious position in the community, so they instruct the apostles to quit speaking about Jesus, quit performing G- uh, miracles about you know in Jesus' name. Um, obviously, the, the apostles don't. So, uh, you know, and then it says they called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak the name of Jesus and let them go. And this is cool. The apostles left the Sanhedrin after receiving a beating, which back then a flogging was probably I think it was thirty nine lashings. Uh, they'd use a rod, they'd use uh, uh, whips, uh, they might have little pieces of shells in it, little pieces of glass. Uh, they'd get beat 39 times in a flogging. But the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering. I, I just think that's so cool. And, you know, if I'm being honest, I ask myself this quite often if I was in their position, would I have gone away rejoicing in the name of Christ? You know, would I have gone away ecstatic that I just got beat half to death? I don't know. I don't know because I've never experienced that. I hope that I would, but I don't know. Um, there's also another story in Acts chapter 16 uh, where Paul and Silas. Uh, I'm just going to read it. It says, "Paul and uh, the crowd joined an attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they'd been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison." and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in an inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying, they were singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. It goes uh, Later on in that chapter, it talks about how uh, you know, there was a great earthquake, and all the jail cell doors were opened, and the jailer pulled out his sword and was going to kill himself, and Paul stopped him. And, and what happened... You know, the jailer came to know Christ in that moment. Um, and I wonder, you know, would that have happened if Paul and Silas weren't in the middle of this cell, this nasty, dirty cell, locked up, bleeding, singing hymns to God? Would that jailer have come to know Christ if they weren't rejoicing in their suffering? Jesus tells us to uh, expect persecution. Uh, in First Peter, he says, Dear friends, don't be surprised when fiery ordeal comes among you to test you as if something unusual were happening to you. Don't act like you're, you know, that it's a surprise. Expect it. Instead, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ so that you may also rejoice with great joy when the glory is revealed. If you're ridiculed for the name of Christ, you are blessed. The spirit of glory and of God rests on you. When I was preparing for this, I, I asked myself, how did, how did Jesus avoid the shame of the cross? Um, how was he able to endure all the while keeping his righteousness perfectly intact you know how did the apostles find joy in the middle of their persecution um, in the middle of horrific physical beatings and uh, you know how were they able to sing hymns and rejoice you know the world the world would have us believe that uh, that our happiness is conditional upon our circumstances if that's true then you know, our contentment varies with our mood uh, with our work status or family status, with our financial stability, with our health. Um, and luckily, it doesn't have to be that way because God reminds us time and time again uh, through His Word that our joy is not dependent on those things. It's not dependent upon our circumstances, it's not dependent upon worldly standards. Our joy should be derived directly from the relationship that we have with Christ. And that's true for everyone, whether you believe or not. Joy is directly correlated to how our will aligns with the will of the Father. An example is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So Christ was able to endure the cross because his focus was on the will of God. And his joy was in fulfillment of that will and the glory that it would bring to the Father. Likewise, the apostles are able to rejoice in sing hymns uh, after public humiliation and horrible beatings uh, because they didn't care about pleasing the religious leaders of their day. Uh, Paul is pretty blunt about that in a few spots in the New Testament, which I think is funny. I think it's awesome, but he it always cracks me up a little bit. But uh, the miss, Their mission, the apostles' mission, was to glorify God. Their obedience was often met with physical harm, uh, and yet they rejoiced because they knew the outcome was the spreading of the name of Christ. In both cases, it was not earthly circumstances that produced joy and peace in their lives, but rather joy and peace were found con- by continually looking to an eternity with Christ. So that was a long uh, description of the first type of suffering. The second, uh, second type of suffering uh, is one that I know all too well. Um, probably people here you know, as well know all too well. It's suffering because of sin in our lives, which causes a disharmonious state within our hearts and God's will. Trials occur uh, when there's an unalignment of the wills, uh, when we're out of sync uh, with what the Lord would have us to do. It occurs, listen to this. It occurs when that place in our soul that's reserved for a relationship with Christ is occupied by something else. When this happens, our joy and our peace become, like I said, dependent upon our circumstances. And, and then we become, you know, then we are at the mercy uh, of what the world can offer, uh, which is never, never enough. And it will never compare to what God can offer. Uh, this type of suffering is often, uh, it's often just consequences of our decision to shut God out. I know it was in my own life. And when you find yourself here, there's a decision to make. I can cry out to God in repentance and surrender, uh, which leads to a joy and peace that we will never fully understand in this life. Or I can continue to wallow in my shame and my self-pity and continue in this sin, which just leads to further destruction and potentially eternal separation. Um, And here's what an example of that looks like in 1 Peter. He says, For there has already been enough time spent in doing what the Gentiles choose to do, carrying on in unrestrained behavior, evil desires, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, lawless idolatry, and then they're surprised that you don't join them in the same flood of wild living, and then they slander you, which we know we should come to expect. They will give an account to the one who stands ready to judge the living and the dead, In this example, the Gentiles, they don't see anything wrong with their lifestyle. And, you know, maybe the consequences weren't immediate, uh, or the trials weren't immediate in the way that they were living, but I assure you that there's suffering in their future. Uh, And the suffering comes, if not in this life, it comes in the afterlife. And without repentance from a life lived this way and a life lived in idolatry, the ultimate consequence is an eternity, and complete separation from the Creator. And now the suffering is eternal and just produces more and more suffering. One of my favorite chapters recently is Galatians 6. I think I referenced it a few times today, but uh, Nancy and I read it together the other day and it, was, it did my heart good, so I'm going to reference it a few times today. But in Galatians chapter 6, verse 8, it says, "...the one who sows to his flesh will reap destruction from the flesh." but the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. Amen. Um, I, I know many of you know my testimony, and I'm going I'm to give it briefly. Um, I, for years, for nearly a decade probably, I, uh, I sowed flesh, and I reaped destruction. Um, I, I, was, uh, I was a drug addict for almost probably almost 10 years. Uh, and, uh, and I lived in that endless loop of shame and guilt, uh, of hurting other people. Um, not just hurting other people, but hurting the people that were closest to me. My mother and my father. My grandparents. My brother and my sister. I would steal. I would cheat. I would lie. I mean, when I tell you guys that I was the scourge of the earth, I've, I've wound up in ditches. I've wound up in jails. I've OD'd. Now, I don't say any of this to shock you. The shocking part of my story is that I lived that way, and then I was redeemed through Christ. That's the shocking part of my testimony. Um, and when we tell our testimony, man, let that, let that be what, what speaks to people. It's not how dirty we were before, it's how clean and righteous we are because of Christ's sacrifice for us now. Amen. So what do, what do the trials produce? You know, there's, there's a, a common thread uh, throughout these verses about perseverance, you know, persevering and enduring uh, we read it in James. Um, it's, even, it's in Romans chapter 5 here. It says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. It's a common denominator in suffering, perseverance is. Uh, whether it's suffering at the, for the sake of Christ uh, or suffering because of unalignment in God's will. You know, And when there's a response, uh, or when there's when there's a repentance uh, because of our sin, and there's a production of perseverance and godly characteristics. Uh, through the perseverance, we persevere through these trials over and over again, and uh, what that does is produces characteristics in us, godly characteristics. And there's an example of what those characteristics look like in 2 Peter, in chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. Which... Consequently, is our curriculum at S2L where I work. So, <laughs> thank you, Bruce Stanley, for showing me these verses. He says, for, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self control, self control with endurance. There's, a, there's that perseverance again. Endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when we endure through trials uh, successfully, uh, meaning that when we endure successfully through these trials that Christ is glorified through our trials, that's what it looks like to successfully uh, endure a trial, is Christ glorified or not, Uh, then our faith grows and our hope becomes greater and greater uh, and more and more joy is found More and more peace is gained. Uh, And another cool characteristic is when we endure these trials, it says in 1 Corinthians, I believe chapter 4, I can't remember, it says through our afflictions we're able to minister to other people who have gone through similar afflictions. Where I was a a drug addict and and, uh, once upon a time was a drug addict and stole and whatever else, lived a horrible life, now God has had mercy on me Showed me grace, and now I'm able to minister to other men that are going through the same affliction that I've gone through. Uh, and and I'm grateful. I've made less money than I've ever made in my life, and I could not be happier. You know, uh, because 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 my will is aligned with Christ. You know, uh, and that's where my joy comes from these days. Amen. Also with my fiance. So. <laughs> uh, so how do we actually find the joy in the middle of suffering? Uh, how, do we, how do we find joy in the middle of persecution and, and heartache, grief, loneliness, helplessness, depression, addiction? How do we find joy and peace in the middle of those things? I want you to listen to this. The, listen, the key to finding joy and peace in the middle of our trials and suffering comes from joy of faith in Christ and the glory that goes to Him when we endure those trials. You know, in Galatians 6, uh, right after the warning of Galatians about sowing in flesh and reaping destruction, um, God's Word tells us in verses 9 and 10, it says, Let us not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time. There's that idea of perseverance, not giving up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. Um... That is not faith, my mother. That is faith, what we believe in. Our brother, uh, our brother Morris, I, I was reading these verses, and I, I was reminded of Brother Morris uh, a couple Sundays ago. I get, I get lost. I, I think I come every other weekend. I can't remember. Yeah, that was, that was two weekends ago. That's right. Um, and I, I remember Brother Morris speaking, and I felt like he, he just preached directly to this a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, we as a church body... As the saints of Haven currently, we're in the middle of a trial, are we not? Our pastor is uh, is serving elsewhere, and, and God bless him. I uh, love the Grissom family, and there's a little shout-out to the Grissoms in case they're listening later. You know, Paul, uh, our, our music minister, left uh, to, to uh, pursue school, uh, and he was dear to our hearts. I know he was dear to my heart. Um, you know, we find ourselves in the middle of this trial. Um, you know... Just as Brother Morris preached, we continue to do good, especially for those who belong to this household of faith. Okay? Uh, And and we all need to step up, like he said. And not just administratively. Um, You know, it's my prayer for for Haven, for for the saints of Haven, that that we would enter into fellowship with one another uh, in a form of transparency with one another. uh, And that we would bear one another's burdens. Um, we're called to do that as Christians. We're called to bear one another's burdens. Um, and again, going back to Galatians chapter 6 again, I told you I like I that chapter a lot lately. Uh, God's word instructs us how to deal with times of trouble as a body. It says, brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you also won't be tempted. Carry one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. And this is how we find joy in the time of trial or in a time of transition like we're in uh, as a congregation. We bear one another's burdens. We look out for one another. When I came back as a student from S2L, I remember talking to Miss Vivian and uh, just talking to her about the the brotherhood that I experienced there that that, uh, was so foreign to me because I had lived isolated for so long. And she... uh, she started describing what the body of Christ looks like or what it's supposed to look like or what it's supposed to do and how I have a blind spot. And if she's facing me, she can see my blind spot. And I can see hers. You know, and, uh, and that's what, that's what uh, we do for one another. That's part of carrying one another's burdens and looking out for one another. Um, so, and that's what Galatians tells us uh, and that that's how we find joy in the middle of, transi- uh, in the middle of this transitional period. Um, we lean on one another it 's when we protect one another and carry one another 's burdens that we fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ is love, love of God and love of our fellow human, and this will produce joy within and glorify him. One of my a couple of my favorite verses, Hebrews 12, 1 and two says, "Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders." and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance. There's perseverance again. The race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We, we persevere using Christ as our example. Jesus was... Subjected to extreme highs and extreme lows in the last days of his life. He was praised by his own people and hailed as king of Israel one day, only to be cursed and subjected to death on a cross the next. But he persevered. He wasn't shamed because he knew that it was the will of the Father and that the fulfillment of the Father's will would bring God glory. In Romans 8, 17 and 18, it says, and if children, then heirs, heirs, uh, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So the glory trumps any suffering that we could go through. Okay, And that's the source of the joy. That's the source of the peace. Uh, I love those verses in Romans about Christian suffering. We endure trials with him. So that we may be glorified with him um, listen i don't i don 't know what anyone is is necessarily struggling with today. I know that people are struggling uh, because we as humans struggle. I know that uh, I know that most of us are in the middle of a trial. Uh, I want to say this I want to say you know if you 're here if you 've been hurt by by a church uh, let me say that that hurt that you feel is not a true reflection of the, of the church that, that Jesus laid a foundation for. I want you to know that with Christ there's restoration uh, and that there's healing. Um, we're going we're to do the Lord's Supper here in a bit. Musicians are going to come up. Um, before we do that, I, I don't care if it's in, your, in the pew. I don't care if you come to the altar. I don't care where you do it, but just come and surrender the pain that's going on in your life. Come and surrender the trial to the Creator, and, and, and get joy from it. Uh, whatever is going on in your life. Maybe, maybe you have a health concern. I don't know. Maybe someone else you know has a health concern, uh, and the future doesn't look good. You know, um, Let me boldly say that God promises that if you're in Christ, your future is better than you could ever imagine. Uh, and that's an eternity with the Creator of this universe. Um, if there's someone here that has a story similar to mine, if you're struggling with addiction, if you know... Someone that's struggling with addiction, um, and you're stuck in that seemingly endless loop of just desperation and you know, and addiction. I I want I want you to hear me today. I, I want you to know that there's freedom from that. Uh, that those chains can be broken. Um, there's only one way to do it, and that is surrender to Christ. Uh, it'll be the scariest. <laughs> it's the scariest thing you've ever done. I can remember when I was a student just man breaking down and finally giving up and surrendering to God and saying God I give up you know everything is in your hands show me what to do just completely and utterly lost and in that moment I was scared to death and in that moment I was so happy and relieved I received that joy and that peace no matter what it is if you're here today if you're going through a trial some degree in your pew the altar whatever convene with the holy father Approach the throne with boldness uh, and reverence and give it to God uh, so that he can turn, give you joy and peace. It's only possible through relationship with him, okay?